Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Okay, so in our discussion of the authority of the Shohan Aruch through the uh, analysis of Rabbi Shalush, hopefully today will be the last uh, leg of this discussion. Um... He quotes, again, the rabbis who said that they, uh, we must follow the rulings of the Shuhan Aruch, and that it was a Kabbalah, that it was an agreement, and that one is not allowed to rule against the Shuhan Aruch. And as I mentioned yesterday, Rabbi Shalush says, he went and did the research and didn't find anywhere a written statement that there was such an agreement or there was such an acceptance of the rulings of the Shohan Aruch. So he asked the question, where did it come, where did it come from? Where did we get this tradition that rabbis in our generation say that we have accepted upon ourselves to follow uh, Rabbi Yosef Karo in every uh, issue, and even if a hundred rabbis would go against him, we don't uh, hear, we don't listen to them to the, as a majority, but we follow the Shohan Aruch. And not only that, it says, and it says they exaggerated to the point where they said that what Rabbi Yosef Kaur write writes in the Shohan Aruch is as uh, binding as the Torah that was given to Moshe on Har Sinai. Where did they get it from? He explains historically how did this happen. Which is a very important part of understanding halakha, the historical development. You really have to look at um, all details and not just in the books. He says this, when Maimonides uh, published his, his book, Yad Hazaka, in which he organized all the halakhot in a very methodical way, Everybody recognized him as a posek, as a leader in halakha. His books were distributed immediately. I mentioned that, that this is the most copied book in the pre-printing press uh, era. So it became the reference book. Everybody who wanted to look for halakha looked up the Rambam, Maimonides, and based on that, he ruled. Even though he added his own flavor or, or take on it, but the Rambam was, the Maimonides' book, books were the focal point. Uh, later on, when Rabbeinu Asher, we also discussed uh, uh, the Rosh, who came from uh, Germany to Spain, when he wrote his books, his, uh, his books were published and distributed, and people looked to them to find the source of Al-Akha. In Algeria, it was the Tashbet, Rabbi Shimon Metzeh Mahduan. And when Rabbi Yosef Kao wrote the Shuhan Aruch and added all the new customs and laws, and Rabbi Moshe, Rabbi Moshe Israel in Poland added the Ashkenazi customs, so now you have a book that covered almost everything. And added to what Rabbi Shalush says, I will add, we spoke about that, that, the, that uh, Rabbi Yosef Kao 
had a special quality in the Shohan Aruch, which is that he wrote first his other books, the Bet Yosef and Kesef Mishneh, in which he provided the sources and the methodology for his halakha. So it was not just, I'm telling you what to do. And besides that, he gave people options. His halakha is open-ended because you will find in his books sometimes two and sometimes even three and more options on doing one thing. But it's not written as a list of there are four opinions. There is some hierarchy. So you could, whatever you choose to follow, you could claim I'm following the Shuhan Aruch, which you cannot do with Maimonides, and which is not easy to do with the, with the Arba'aturi because it's more like an encyclopedia. So, uh, and he says, what happened afterwards, once the book, the Shuhan Aruch, was out there, and it was so comprehensive, and also another element that he doesn't mention, because it was at that crucial moment after the invention of the printing press, it was the first book to hit the, uh, press. the press that was ready for mass distribution and the people needed. So no one was able to match it uh, afterwards. So now everybody has the book. <clears throat> it's easily available. It's, easily, it's, it's not like you had to copy the whole book. You can purchase the Shohan Aruch, which is not like today. You look 10, 20 volumes with all the commentaries. It was one volume. One volume, you buy it, and that's you have the book. And what happened? Wherever you are, you're a rabbi, you open the book, you, you either follow Rabbi Yosef Karo, who represents most of the Sephardic uh, customs, or if you're Ashkenazi, you rule like the Rabbi Moshe Isra's in his editions. And that was always the norm. He says, if you go all the way back to Talmudic times, that was the norm. The local rabbi rules to his community based on his decisions and uh, rulings change from place to place. So that in that sense, that's what Rabbi Vadi Yosef said. No, but Rabbi Vadi Yosef, what he said, he didn't say, I'm going to rule and you will follow me. He says, I'm going to restore the rulings of the Shohan Aruch. Right, but that's what, but that's what Rabbi Shush is saying, it, it seems. No, but... It, what Rabbi Avadi Yosef did, he, says he wanted to erode everything that was created between the Shohan Aruch and the 20th century. Rabbi David Shalush is saying, after the Shohan Aruch, each rabbi in his local community chose which... So he's which, just giving this to, to as an example. Right. Not, not really... Exactly. Uh, I see. Right. I mean, what Rabbi, Rabbi David Shalush says that the, the next 500 years after the Shohan Aruch, have the right to be creative and to introduce new halachot and minagim, even if they contradict the Shohan Aruch. It was just as out of convenience, many people referred to the Shohan Aruch. And so it gives several examples. Harambam bitel hazarat ashatz. In the time of Maimonides, he, uh, he stopped the uh, repetition of the Amidah, but later on it was reestablished, hazara. Kshinit sefer azohar, before the Zohar was revealed in the 14th century by Rabbi Moshe de Leon in Spain, before that nobody knew of, of the Zohar, people used to, the Sephardim used to put on tefillin, on Cholamoyed. It's only because of the Zohar that people stopped their minhag and started to not put tefillin on Cholamoyed. In uh, uh, another example, according to Maimonides, you say Birkot HaShachar, all these, 
Only when you do the appropriate, the corresponding action. When you get dressed, you say, When you put on your shoes, If you didn't do them, if you decided to go barefoot that day, you don't say them. But in Eretz Israel, the Minhag was against it, to say it uh, no matter what. Um, or another example, the Talmud mentions that uh, the concept called Atifat Arosh Be'avel, that a mourner not only does kiri'ah, tears his clothes, also he has to wrap a scarf around his head. Like the, like the Tuareg, you know, like people living in the desert, the Bedouins, and to cover uh, his head and half his face up to his nose. And that is mentioned in the, in the Tanakh regarding the Prophet Yehezkel. And Maimonides and Shohan Aruch both said that you have to do it, but we don't do it today. Um, also the way we do when, when we pray, when we pray Bekol Ram, when we, we only have 10 people or we don't have time, and we start the Hazara out loud, right? We start only up until the end of Ha'el Kadosh, and then continue quietly. But if you do that, you have to say the whole thing out loud. Um, and there are many other Minhagim. So uh, it is a constant process of introducing new Minhagim, new laws, according to the time and need. But the combination of the factors that he mentioned before and what I mentioned about the printing press and the unique nature of Shohan Aruch plus you know, an added uh, element here, right, Rabbi Shalush writes this, Tehilata shel tsefat, birata chokma be'eret Yisrael me'as ha'obanam. And another factor that's contributed to, this, uh, to the acceptance of Shohan Aruch, not immediately, several decades after it was published, it was the glory of tsefat as a city. Anyone who ever visited tsefat, especially if you had the, the merit to spend Shabbat in tsefat, to me, as a, someone who was born in Yerushalayim, the only place who rivals Yerushalayim in the atmosphere of Shabbat is Tzfat. If you just you do Kabbalah Shabbat in Tzfat and you go outside the Betaknes Ta'ari or Rabbi Tzchak and you look at the hills, you realize why they felt always very close to Mashiach and, and Geulah. And he says, you had uh, people, were, there, were, there was a concentration of scholars and creativity in all fields. You had Rabbi, Shimon, Rabbi Shlomo El-Kavatz, Wrote Lechadodi, Abel Azar Azikri, wrote Yedid Nefesh, you know, in Sefer Haradim, Rabbi Sefkar with Shohan Aruch, the rabbis he mentioned before, Marie Ben Lev, all these rabbis were Sefar, the Arizal, the Kabbalists, and all their Talmidim. And all this created that halo around the Shohan Aruch, that people say we have to follow the Shohan Aruch in everything he said. But now that we understand this whole process, Rabbi Shalush says, Tamu'a ha-davar, ma'hata ha-rav sh'awra ke-poseh gadol ha-har sh'da'atun o'ta'elav neged da'at maran, va'afilu imura be'eret Yisrael. He says, one cannot say that a rabbi who ruled against the Shuhan Aruch has sinned. It's a transgression. What is his sin? He, he analyzed the sources, he arrived at the conclusion, and that is the decision. And he says, not only outside Israel, even in, in Israel, it is allowed, because Rabbi Yosef Kawa was not the chief rabbi of Israel, or even of Tzifat. And he says, if you follow the rules of uh, halakha decision, the way Rabbi Yosef Kawa himself uh, writes them, 
the next generations are allowed to go against him. And, and he says, Velama kol sefaradi tzarich tshuva vechapara. Now that's where we start referring to the statement of Hakam Avadeh Yosef. Hakam Avadeh Yosef, when he wanted to establish the rule of we all follow Shohan Aruch, he said if a Sephardic rabbi ruled against Shohan Aruch, Tzarich Tshuva Vechapara. He needs to repent. Like on Yom Kippur, he has to say, you know, part of his confession is, I regret for ruling against the Shohan Aruch. He says, oh, Rabbi, rabbi Shul says, what for? What wrong did he do? Um... Even if you say that there were 200 rabbis who agreed with him, Mabichach, he says, this is irrelevant. It was not accepted by the whole nation at the time that it was written. And uh, you, there is a, a mandate for a, um, a well-learned rabbi to rule against Shohan Aruch. And he says, Ubarur, Ufashut. There is no uh, basis which will allow one rabbi to attack other rabbis for not following the Shohan Aruch. Now here's like the, the final statement. I, mean, I told you that Rabbi Yosef did not want him to include this whole discussion in his book. Not, it says here, I disagree with my colleague, Hacham Yosef. They were very close friends. Um, but on that, they split. He says, Rabbi Yosef says that women cannot say the, the bracha al-lulav. Not only that, he says, en milagam minhag. According to Rabbi Yosef, the, you don't even call it a minhag. You can't claim, I have such a practice, I have a minhag which I have to follow. It's not a practice, it's invalid. Rabbi Shalush says, Those are righteous women. They're not rebellious. They're not, not religious. Any custom, any practice that was established with the acknowledgement and the acceptance of the rabbi is a, a practice. He says, as well, uh, all the people who are living in the world same thing regarding the bracha for the Halel on Rosh Chodesh that the, in the Maghrib in the North Africa it was the Minhag and that's what we do in our synagogue and uh, one cannot say to stop this Minhag because the B'Shohan Aruch uh, is against it however after Rabbi Shalush says all this and he says that, we, that the, the words of the B'Shohan Aruch should be taken with a grain of salt. And there's no total acceptance. And the rabbis are entitled to discussion, analysis, and ruling. He says, Even everything that was written here and what we have discussed is based on the writings of the sages of the Talmud and the Mishnah. I mean, it has strong foundations. Uh, don't think that anyone could rule on halakha as he wishes. It only applies to one who is well uh, learned, knowledgeable, who can do this kind of, of logical and critical analysis. Uh, one who could really 
come to the halachic conclusions. Most importantly, that he's really a God-fearing person and uh, has that reverence towards the Torah and halacha. And he says that his reverence is greater than his wisdom. More important than knowledge is the approach. And he says, I don't even know if there is anyone in our generation like that. Um, so, obviously he did rule like that himself. So, this is sort of checks and balances. On one hand, he presented over 60 pages his uh, understanding that the rule of the Shohan Aruch is not totally binding and local rabbis have the authority to do so. In the other hand, on the other hand, he qualifies it very... Uh, very strictly to prevent a situation where everybody does whatever he wants. So it gives the rabbis the responsibility. If the rabbis feel that they are of that level, let them, let them do and write their halachic discussions and let their colleagues argue with them, and, but in a, respectful, in, in, a, in a respectful manner. Um, so... He says this, says, I really had a debate whether I should publish it or shelve, you know, uh, shelve it and, and never publish it. Uh, and it was very hard for me But I felt that I put so much effort in, in writing and analyzing and coming to a conclusion and just put it away without sharing with others, would not be right. says, because there are some uh, people maybe uh, ignorant or not well-learned, and they will misunderstand. For the few people who might misunderstand that, I'm not going to prevent myself from publishing it. And it says... Uh, but I follow the rule of the Mishnah, be very careful what you said. And that's why I clarified everything very uh, uh, emphatically. And he concludes with the prayer that Hashem will help him, that nothing uh, that he writes will cause any misunderstanding or distortion, and that will cause great joy for him and his colleagues. Amen, amen. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.